Good morning, everybody. How you doing? That you, okay, glad to be here. Good, 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 good. Hey, you know what? I, uh, I have a confession to make. First of all, my name is Nathan Harris. I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration Center. If you are a guest, welcome. Thank you for being here, making this part of your morning. I know everybody's talking about the weather change and it's kind of dreary and, you know, all that kind of a thing, but do you guys realize that we are uh, about a month and a half out from Christmas? It's exciting. I love Christmas. Oh, that's right. Thank you, Donald. Um, we're going to go ahead and take offering as well. So um, let's go ahead and have the, the ushers come on up, and we'll begin passing those. And just so you guys know, we don't take offering. We're not, we're not after anybody's money, all right? But the reality of the situation, uh, you guys can go ahead and start passing that around. That'd be great. The reality of the situation is that, you know, A, God does tell us that part of the, the, the level, the measure of our love is based on what we do with our finances. Jesus actually taught on finances more than he did about almost anything else. Okay, so uh, there, there's a lot of things that God has to say on that. But the other, the other side of it is that we are able to reach the kids. Did you know we, many Sundays we have anywhere between uh, 35 to 45 kids upstairs on, on a Sunday morning? And part of what enables us to do that is what you guys give. So thank you for that. Thank you for, t- for participating there. I appreciate that. Um, as a dad, I appreciate that. As a pastor, I appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you so much, you guys. Um, so as we're, we're wrapping up the, the offering there, I, I, you know, I just, I'm really excited for Christmas. I love Christmas. And it's, it's not just because of the gifts, although I, I enjoy gifts and, you know, all that kind of a thing. But we get to celebrate. This is a time we're celebrating the coming of the King. He comes and he shows up and he comes in a way that is completely unexpected and I'm already playing Christmas music in my office. <laughs> so if you come and you visit me, you're going to hear Christmas music. Deal with it. Um, I know there are a lot of people, it's not Thanksgiving yet, you can't play Christmas music. False. Absolutely false. Um, no, anyway. So uh, thank you all for being here. Uh, we are in part two of our series, Be, Become, do. Be, become, do. And in this series, we're talking about our core value of pursue Jesus. And this is important because pursuing Jesus gives direction to what we do and how we do what we do. All right? It's kind of like, uh, I, I used the example last week of hopping in a car, you go out on, a, uh, on a, just a, an adventure, and you go and you discover something that maybe you had never discovered before. Not that you actually are discovering it and planting a flag and saying, I claim this in the name of my family and all that. But, but that you're, you're discovering something new to you, something exciting, something different. And, and, and you do that and that's fun. But when we're talking about an entire movement of people moving in the same direction, okay, we can't just hop in the car and go. <laughs> we got to know what our destination is. We got to know where it is we want to end up. We know where we are and we know where we want to get to. And, and the core of our core values help us to set not the destination so much as the direction. Because if you want to go from here to the Grand Canyon, you're not going to go to Canada, are you? 
right? You got you to point yourself in the right direction. And so these core values, that's what they're helping us to do. They're pointing us in the right direction so that we can get to the destination that we want to end up at. So we're talking about pursue Jesus. So here's the value, which is also our big idea for this series. Because we want to know Jesus, we study scripture, we, pay, or we pray, we uh, passionately worship, and we seek to develop our character and lives in his image. Now, that last part is what we're really focusing on. Developing and, and forming our character, our lives, in the image of Jesus Christ. But how do we do that? How do we do that? Is pursuing Jesus merely an issue of, you know what, I'm going to, to acknowledge God at some point in my day, and then I'm, I'm because this is the way a lot of people do it, and, and frankly, I've, I've done this, I'm, I'm guilty of doing it myself, but sometimes we, we pay attention to Jesus at the beginning of the day, and, and maybe in our little devotion time, but then we go about the rest of the day kind of figuring things out as we go on our own, right? Is that pursuing Jesus? I don't think so. Is pursuing Jesus doing enough of the right kinds of things, whether it's giving your offering, whether it's praying or reading your Bible or all of that stuff, and just doing that enough over and over and over, and you're able to start checking some things off and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm doing this stuff. I'm getting this done. Is that pursuing Jesus? I don't think so. I think, I think we need to do those things to pursue Jesus, but that's not in and of itself pursuing Jesus. Is pursuing Jesus maybe refraining from all of the bad stuff? Sex outside of marriage, getting drunk all of the time, uh, 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 maybe getting addicted to pornography or you know whatever else. I think we need to avoid those things, but those in and of themselves of refraining from those doesn't mean we're pursuing Jesus. So what does it mean to pursue Jesus. What does it look like? To help us live out this value, we've broken this out into, uh, into three parts, into a three-part process. This be, become, and do. And these things, frankly, they're gonna overlap. It's not like you, you do the be part and then you do the become part and then you do the do part, all right? They're gonna, your elements of all of them have to be involved as you're doing each of them, Okay. So, but we're going to break them down. We've broken them down into be, become, do. Last week, we talked about the be part, the be with Jesus. We talked about how only, the only source of life that we have is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus talked about that in John chapter 15. That's what we looked at. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me, apart from me, you can do nothing. It's not that you won't do anything, it's that you can't do anything. It is impossible. And so he says, make, he says, remain in me, abide in me. He says, make your home in me. Make your home in me as I make my home with you. All right, and so this is this was we looked at the be part. This week, we're gonna look at the become part. Now, if you missed last week's sermon, go to our, our website, ccpuallup.com. You, uh, you can click on the sermon podcast link and, and get caught up. I encourage you to do that. It would be good. It would be helpful. This week, we're going to focus on the become. We're going to look at what it means to become. So here's the main thing this morning. 
If you're taking notes, there's a little blank on there for you to fill in. To pursue Jesus, we must become like him. We've got to become like Jesus. Um, we just, you know, went through Halloween, right? And you guys probably saw a whole bunch of kids dressed up and trick-or-treating and all of that. My wife and I took our, our son and daughter out trick-or-treating. And I got a picture for you right here of them. Yep, yep. There they are in their, their outfits. Abby actually, she is a flying unicorn. That's that pose. A flying unicorn named Sparkalicious, apparently. That's, that, that, that's, that's, that's her name. And then Caleb is, is a warrior knight. He couldn't just be a knight. He had to be a warrior knight. So they're posing, right? They're, they're posing. Uh, for my kids, transforming into Sparkalicious and the warrior knight was all about how they looked. It was all about how they looked. Because they looked like those things, they started feeling like those things and acting like those things. I think I've been goosed at least 10 times by that unicorn. Um, it's an uncomfortable situation and sensation, but um, I, at one point I had to take Caleb's sword away <laughs> because people and things are getting whacked. <laughs> right? The warrior knight is in full throttle, but they're, they're feeling like these things. And so they're, they're inspired to act like these things. You got, I think this is a pretty good analogy for what I mean when I say to pursue Jesus, we must become like him. You guys, the point is that we look like him. To become like Jesus means that we look like Jesus. We look like him, but does that mean we dress up like him? Do we get the kind of toga robe going on and sit down and eat fish and veggies and fruit all of the time? Is that what, is that? No, that's not, that's not what we're, this isn't an extended Christian version of Halloween or anything. You see, though the costumes help my kids a lot in their imaginations, they became inspired to act like what it was they were dressing up as, Okay. So when I say to pursue Jesus, we must become like him, that's what I'm talking about. We act like Jesus. Not in a false sense. C.S. Lewis once wrote about this, and he talked about how children play and they act. Right? And as they do, they actually become these things. It's the same thing for us. It's not just a matter of faking it until you make it. It's a matter of doing it over and over and over until our very character is formed and changed so that we act like Jesus. We need to be like Jesus in our character and in our behavior. So how do we get to that point? That's the real question, right? How do we get there? We're going to look at a passage. This is Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 24 through 29. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, go ahead and open up there. Uh, I am not opposed to people turning on their electronics and, and reading their Bibles in church. So go ahead and do that. Uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 24. I'm, we're going to read the, uh, this section and then I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. 
This is Jesus talking. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. In other words, they heard the same word, okay, and they experienced the same storm, but there's a different outcome. It fell with a great crash. Verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. There are a few things that we need to understand about this passage, okay, and how it fits even in the larger structure of Matthew uh, before we go on. First of all, Jesus tells this parable at the end of one of the most famous passages probably in the entire Bible. It's the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Many of us have heard it, whether you're a Christ follower or not, you have probably heard snatches of this. It is famous. People quote it all of the time. Uh, people in political circles like to use it in debates and in their, their rallies and all kinds of stuff. They'll, they'll quote snatches of this. The Sermon on the Mount itself is the first of one of five discourses or teachings given by Jesus in Matthew's gospel. Matthew arranges his gospel around these five different sets of teachings that Jesus has. And he's doing this for a purpose, okay? Our attention is supposed to be drawn back to the very beginning of everything. To the Pentateuch to the first five books of the Bible, to the Torah, to this, this, to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, where God is outlining for the people of Israel what it means to be in relationship with him and with each other. And so Matthew is, is he's drawing this line, all right? He's saying there's, there's something new happening. There's something new happening. Now, the setting of the Sermon on the Mount is intended to draw our attention specifically to Mount Sinai. All right, for those of you who don't know, the Israelites were in captivity in, in Egypt for about 400 years. God comes to the rescue. It's an amazing story. You can read all about it in the book of Exodus, second book of the Bible. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Love it. Love the story there. But, but God rescues the Israelites and he takes them out of captivity in Egypt. He takes them into the wilderness to Mount Sinai where Moses goes up the mountain to receive from God the law and to bring it back to the people. Here, Jesus is sitting on the side of a mountain and he begins to explain to his disciples what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. All right, so Matthew here is saying not only is there something new happening, some new beginning happening, there's somebody greater than Moses that's shown up on the scene. Somebody greater. 
Now, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus repeatedly says things like, you've heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it said, but I say to you. And that coupled with the statement we read in Matthew 7, 29 about Jesus teaching with authority unlike that of the scribes and the Pharisees. You see, the scribes and the religious teachers of Jesus' day, what they did when they taught is they would teach precedent. It's kind of like you go into a courtroom, all right, and a lawyer in a courtroom is going to base their argument on precedent. This is the way This is the way other judges have ruled. This is the way the law has been read up to this point. And so their authority is based purely on what has come before them. That's like the scribes and the teachers of the law of Jesus' day. That's how they did it. They were quoting other other famous teachers. But Jesus comes in and he says, you've heard it said, but I'm saying to you. And so when, when Matthew says that the people were amazed because he He taught as though he had authority. He's saying Jesus has this in himself. He gets to call the shots. He gets to say what is and what isn't, what can be, what won't be, and all of that, okay? This is important. It's not left up. He's not interpreting through somebody else. He's interpreting for us. So Jesus comes on the the scene and says, I know you've understood life and the kingdom to be one way, but I'm telling you it's something else entirely. It's something completely different. And when he says this, he's talking to three groups of people and we might fall into one of these three groups of people. He's talking to disciples. People that he has come to and said, come with me and I'm going to make you to become fishers of people. All right? He's talking to that group. He's also talking to crowds of people. They're just kind of eavesdropping. They're hanging out. They're, they know that there's something different about this Jesus dude, right? And, 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 and they're, they're astonished at, at the authority that he's teaching with. And so they're, they're kind of listening. But Jesus' message is for them as well. But the third group of people that he's also talking to are the religious leaders. The people who whitewash themselves with religious activity. Over and over and over again, they're making sure that everybody knows that they are, in fact, carrying out what God has said to do. And they're putting everybody else down while they're doing it. Now, I don't know where you land in any of those categories. Here's the point. Jesus' words to us right here is for you right now. It's for me right now. If you want to stand when life goes sideways, and it does, and it will, if you want to stand when judgment of some form comes, you have to hear and do what Jesus says. We, ha- we I, have to do what Jesus says. I once thought it would be really, really funny to play a practical joke. It's kind of funny how practical jokes are always funny except to the person who's receiving them. You ever notice that? I hate it when somebody does a practical joke on me, but oh man, it's really fun to watch somebody else squirm. One time I decided I'd play a practical joke on one of my younger brothers. I'm the oldest of four. Uh, and, and my younger brother, we were uh, sleeping outside in a tent 
It was actually nice weather, though. It wasn't the rain. I, I applaud you, ladies. Good job. <laughs> um, and it was a summer. I had a friend over. We were all sleeping out in this tent, and I thought, you know what? It would be really funny to put a little toothpaste on the side of my brother's face and, and just get him, tickle his nose or something and get him to rub it all over. That, that would be hilarious. That would be so funny. Well, in my, I don't know, high school-ish mind, I, I didn't stop and think about the kind of toothpaste that we had was like, I, I don't know if it was peppermint or spearmint or something. It was some mint. So you leave that stuff on long enough and it starts to burn. <laughs> Well, my brother woke up all right, but it wasn't because he was like, oh, this is funny. It was, he was crying out of a dead sleep and he was in pain. And then you know what he did? He went in the house and he told dad. (laughs) And I'm like, oh man, this is, oh boy. Is there some place I can run and hide to? Because I had broken the one rule. Leave your brother alone. Right? I didn't listen and do what my dad said to do. And so things did not go very well for me. Okay? What Jesus has said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7 is not a list of do's and don'ts, you guys. I want you to hear that. This is not another level or another bar for you to set up in your life and for you to look at and to say, man, I'm just not reaching it. I can't quite get there and then feeling bad about yourself. Jesus is talking about an entire way of life. He's talking about a character trait in us that is based solely on loving God and loving other people above all else. That's the bottom line, okay? That's the bottom line of what Jesus' message is in the the Sermon on the Mount. And he's calling us to be like him in this and to become to be like him, to go on this journey. So here in Matthew 7, we see what it takes ultimately to be like Jesus. We must hear and do what he says. We've got to hear and do what he says. So that's number one on your outline if you're taking notes. To become like Jesus, we must hear his words. We've got to hear Jesus' words. The other day, um, my wife was serving dinner, and I don't. maybe some of you guys can identify with this, and some of you wives out there will probably, like, yep, I I. I I, I've seen this play out in my house. I was busy. I was preoccupied. I was um, doing something super duper important. Maybe. And, and um, my wife from the kitchen, she says, honey, I, I need you to get, I've got a spoon for you already. I need you to get a spoon for each of the kids and set some stuff out for dinner. I'm about to serve up dinner. I'm like, got it. You know what I heard? I heard get spoons. That's all I heard. Get spoons. So I got everybody spoons. And, and, and I, filled in, I filled in the rest because I didn't hear. I didn't take the time to actually listen to everything that she was saying to me and the message that she was giving me. I heard, get spoons, and I filled in the rest of the information on my own. I didn't hear what my wife said. I didn't hear it. I was blocked from hearing her because I was in a hurry. Something important was happening in my world. And sometimes we do something similar with Jesus, don't we? Sometimes we don't really hear him. And there's a couple of things 
that I think often can creep up. Some very common things. First, we might filter what we hear from him through our fear. We're afraid. There's something that we are afraid of. And so what, what he says to us can't actually sink in because it, it, it's coming up against our fear first. The other thing that we filter through sometimes, I don't know about you, I, I've, I've done this a lot of times, is our, our arrogance. I got this. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Now, when we, we filter what we hear from Jesus through our fear, we're letting the what-ifs in our life determine our lives. That's, that's what we're doing. I remember one time I went to Boy Scout camp. I don't remember exactly how old I was. I was old enough for Boy Scout camp, obviously. And uh, at, the be- at the beginning of this week of camp, they set us up at the lake and said, okay, we're going to do a swim test for everybody to see who gets to swim in the deep area and who has to go stay in the, sh- in the shallow kitty area. Now, I want you to know that I'm actually an okay swimmer. I'm not on a swim team. I'm, I'm not that kind of a swimmer, but I'm, I'm a decent swimmer. I can, I can swim. I'm, I'm strong. I've, I've got some stamina there, and, and I'm good at it. I was at this point in my life. I enjoyed the water. I loved being in the water. Here was the problem. The deep area where they were doing the swim test was full of lake weeds, I hate lake weeds. There's some lagoon creature that's probably lurking somewhere in the lake weeds and it's going to reach up out of the weeds and it's going to pull me down and I'm going to die. And I'm going to come face to face with this slimy thing. And, and so as I'm doing, I'm swimming in this test and I'm doing this, I, I start feeling the lake weeds. And I'm like, nope. I climb, I could have gone a whole lot further, a whole lot longer. I'm, I'm, nope, I'm done, I'm out. I get up on the dock. If you want to put me in the kitty area, fine with me. There's sand over there. Okay? So I, I, anytime I went, I went to the lake, which frankly wasn't that often, I was like, well, if I've got to be in the kitty area, I'm okay being designated for that area, but if I have to be there, I'm not going to go in. Right? There, there's also that sense of pride that, you know, I, I'm a boy and I, and, yeah. Anyway, so I, I, I was okay with letting my fear dictate my experience at that point. How often do we do that? How often do we hear what Jesus says and we think, well, what if he doesn't come through? Well, what if I lose this other thing that I really want? How often do we do that? And so our fear becomes a barrier to actually hearing what Jesus has to say because we're not even willing to listen at that point. The antidote to this is to take our concerns and our fears to Jesus. We take them. Hey, I I don't understand this. Marshall and Jeff both talked about this during the worship time. You know, just being that honest, being that that real with God. This is where I'm at. Here, here's where I'm at. You know, I, I think God can handle that. That's acceptable to God. But we can take it to him. We can tell him about it. We can talk to others around us. And I think Jesus might be saying this to me, but oh my goodness. Don't let fear 
be a barrier or don't let it be a filter between you and what Jesus might have to say to you. Okay? Now, when we filter what we hear through arrogance, we're telling God, you know what? Go ahead and have a seat, God. I got this. I've done that a time or two in my life, and it never, ever works out well. Every time. It just doesn't seem to work out well. I'm also a slow learner. So um, I, I remember, you know, and this is really about controlling things in our lives. Arrogance is really about controlling things, I think. A number of years ago, I had a guy come into my office for some direction. Oh, Nathan, I, I need to talk to you. I just, I, I don't know what to do about this. But you know what? It was kind of funny. He could not hear a word I had to say because he was sure he already knew better than me. It was, it was a little bit, I got a picture here. It was a little bit like this picture. I'm sorry, I can't hear you over the sound of how awesome I am. That's what we do when we're arrogant. Ultimately, that's what we're saying. I can't hear you because I'm just so awesome. I've got this. We, and, and those moments, we can't hear what we need to hear. We're too busy focusing on what we think we know to consider that maybe we don't know as much as we suppose we might. The antidote to this is to place our certainty on the back burner. Place that to the side and ask Jesus, what do you think? Here's what I think. What do you think? What do you think? We can do this through prayer. We can do this through community with other people. Bouncing things off of them. What, here's where I'm at. What, getting counsel. We're told in the Proverbs that victory comes through a large number of counselors. Okay? We, get, we, we bounce things off of people. We ask them what they think. Jesus puts a pretty high premium on hearing his words and to become like him. We need to listen to him, but we don't need to just listen to him because remember, the parable he, he said was the one who listens, who hears, but doesn't do, their, their foundation is like sand. So that's number two on your outline. To become like Jesus, we must do his words. We've got to do what he says. I, uh, in high school, I took a shop class. And at the beginning of this shop class, we had to watch a safety video. Anybody else here take shop? Yeah, did you have to watch a safety video? An old, this was like, I, this safety video, I kid you not, it must have been from the 50s. But it was graphic. It was graphic, man. I mean, it, it, it's showing what can happen when you don't appropriate take appropriate caution around the equipment and and there was this scene in there i'm not gonna get overly graphic with it but there was this scene where has if you've ever ripped a board on a table saw i learned this the hard way you've got to push it all the way through <laughs> push it all the way through because even when it's cut until it's past that saw it will kick back at you I learned that the hard way. Now, thank God, 
I don't know what happened, but I, I'm usually fairly slow, but my reflexes were pretty good that day. I stopped that thing. I got that thing stopped before it actually came back and, and went through me. All right? I learned a valuable lesson that day. Do exactly what the instructions are telling you to do. Jesus, doing Jesus' words isn't about getting things perfect from the outset, you guys. We need to understand that. It's about learning as we go. In order to become like Jesus, we need to hear and do his words. And Jesus was very clear in Matthew 7 that hearing alone doesn't cut it. The wise person, the one who becomes like Jesus, is the one who hears and does. They haven't just watched the video, the safety video. They actually do what it says. So there are a couple of key things for us to uh, accomplish this. First of all, we must trust. These keys are kind of the opposite of what I've, I've already talked about, those barriers. The, the fear and the arrogance, these two keys that I'm going to give you are, are the opposite of these things. The first key is we need to trust. We have to operate from the position that God is always good no matter what. Because everything in your life is going to come to you and tell you that God is not good. Because if God was good, why would you be experiencing this? Or maybe God doesn't love you because you've done this other thing and so now you're experiencing this. No, we have to trust all the time. God is good. The other thing that we've got to do is we've got to be humble. We've got to be humble. We have to take the lowly position of a learner. Jesus lived his life humbly trusting God and it's at the heart of what it means to become like Jesus. How do we get there though? My kids are, they love to get in the middle of everything I do. Okay? So if I'm cleaning something, especially my daughter, she wants to get in the middle of it. She wants to do it too. So if I'm cleaning a bathroom, she's like, Daddy, let me do it. Let me do it. Now, I don't just let her do it. A, she's not strong enough to do, to, you know, get everywhere that I need to get and to do the things that, that needs to happen and all of that. But it also, the, other, the flip side is, I just turned my five-year-old loose on a dirty bathroom. Is it really going to be clean? Probably not, right? So then there's, there's that aspect of things as well. But in life, including learning to live in trust, rather than fear, there's a process we have to go through to grow the muscles and skills we need to trust well. And that happens every day through the situations that we encounter. I, I love this passage. This is Exodus 14, verses 30 and 31. It says, That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the seashore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people did two things. They feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. In these short two verses, at the end of, of the story of the crossing of the Red Sea in the book of Exodus, we see how Israel learned to trust you see, God actually, he planned to take them kind of in a circuitous route around the, 
the wilderness because he knew that if he took them directly out of Egypt and into the promised land, they would encounter things and armies and peoples and all kinds of stuff that would prevent them from actually doing what God wanted, wanted them to do. So he, wanted, he had to train them. They had to learn, and this was part of the process. Going through the Red Sea was where they got to experience firsthand that God is good and that God is there. At one point in the story, Moses is crying out to God, God, help us, help us. And, and God says, what are you doing? Get up and move. <laughs> he says, put one foot in front of the other. Just start moving. Watch what I'm going to do. And in this way, the Israelites learn that they can trust God. Guess what? We can learn that we can trust God as well. God is going to exercise our trust muscles. He's going to do it so that we will learn that he is with us the whole way. That's learning to trust. Choosing humility is, is, a, is about not thinking more highly of ourselves than we, we should or we ought to. Whether that's in how we approach other people and, and their needs or in our view of how life should be lived. Humility submits to God in all things. Here's what we're told in James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Oftentimes when, I'm, when I don't want to be humble, it's because I'm trying to accomplish something in my life for myself. Here, we are told to do the exact opposite. Trust God with everything, submit yourself to him, and he's going to do the lifting. He's going to do that. This passage is all about submitting to God in all things. You guys, to look like Jesus, we've got to be humble and we've got to be submitted because Jesus was humble and submitted. It requires us to trust him and to humble ourselves and to learn in everything. So here's the question. Will you engage in what it takes to become like Jesus. If you're going to pursue Jesus, you got to become like him. So the only question you have to answer is, are you going to engage? Am I going to engage? I'm going to have the band come on back up. In just a minute here, we're going to take communion. We're going to do it a little bit differently than what we've, we've done the last couple of months since I've been here. Um, I'm going to have you guys, this is an opportunity for you to choose to say this is a day where again, I'm planting this flag and I'm saying I'm going to become like Jesus. Not that I'm going to make it happen in and of myself, but that I am submitting. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to learn. And so communion today is an opportunity for you to come this way and to make that statement. All right, and the band is going to play a song and we're going to sing the song together. As we sing, I want to encourage you, just come. Take your communion and then continue to worship until the song is done and I'm gonna wrap it up. But why don't you bow your heads with me and let's, uh, let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you call us to be with you but also to become like you. 
God, sometimes it's a little bit scary because I know in my own life, I see all of the, the rough edges. I know all of the issues that I have. My family sees the, the issues that I have. And sometimes, God, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to think, am I ever, ever going to get there? And I forget that you're with me at my side moment by moment, that your love is with me and for me in the middle of those, those difficulties and in, in, in those, those times where I'm, I'm not living up to it. God, I pray that for all of us here, that as we, we, we make this decision today to continue in this life or maybe to, continue, or to begin it for the very first time, that, that the, real, the realization, the reality of, of your present love with us would permeate our hearts and our minds. God, so that we're free not to do a list of do's and don'ts, but so that we're free to become who you have called and created us to be. I pray that for everybody in this room, God. Now, if you're here and you haven't begun your life as a Christ follower, but you, you want to join God's family, you want to be part of that, I'm going to say a prayer. Make this yours. Father, I want to be part of you. Here's my life. You know all of the issues in it. You know all of my problems. You know all of my fears, my joys, my hopes, my everything, I give it all to you. All of the good, the bad, and everything in between. Give me your life, I pray. Make me part of your family. Jesus, for anybody who made that prayer theirs today, help them to know that right now they are in your family that they are part of you and you are part of them, that they are part of us. And encourage them, I pray, with your presence and with your peace, God. Lord, as we sing this song and as we take communion, as we remember, Jesus, what you have done, Let this be a time where we are established firmly, where we are rooted deeply in you, where we are giving all of ourselves to you, God. Make us to become like Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you all stand with me if you're able to? As we sing, as I said, we've got communion on both sides here. So just go to the table closest to you. And make this a moment between you and Jesus saying, I'm following you. I want to become like you. And then I'll come back up and wrap us up. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and take your communion. You guys... Becoming like Jesus is not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not a bar for you to reach. It's a person to become. We have to walk through life 
We have to learn. We have to grow. And as we submit and as we trust, we will do exactly that. I want to encourage you, go this week doing that. This week on your notes, if you want to, you can grab those. There's the, the soap notes on the back. You're going to go through the you're going to go through the passage that we looked at. Then you're going to read through the, um, on three of the days, you're going to read through the, the Sermon on the Mount. And then on the last day, you're going to go back to the same passage that we looked at. We're just going to camp out there this week. Do that. Hear what Jesus has to say and put into practice what he says. Thank you for coming, you guys. Come back next week. We're going to wrap up our, our series of Be Become Do. Hope you guys all have a great week.